The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover! Step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Right here on 960theref.com. Episode 85, it is the Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. And if you uh, have been driving through Five Points, you're probably aware by now that it is coming soon to uh, Five Points as uh, well. And I've been saying Fully Loaded's got big shoes to fill with that Five Points location because it's going in the old Waffle House building. Love it. So uh, be looking forward to that. Of course, we'll keep you up to date on when Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is open in five points not quite but you can of course still go and uh, check them out in the manders crossing shopping center in watkinsville chris brame from the home team david johnston from the morning show that is uh, hence the crossover podcast you could subscribe to us as always on itunes so whenever we bring you a new episode like we're doing right now we'll just uh, we'll pop up on your podcast app of choice or you can always listen on demand at 960theref.com we will uh, recap the nfl draft uh, today for a little bit both how the uh, falcons did (laughs) and uh and also how georgia's players made out i guess uh, the dogs ended up with seven players getting drafted and uh, there was one guy who i entered the draft early and i'm sure did not expect to go undrafted um, which would be Elijah Holyfield, so we'll talk about that. Maybe give the uh, Braves a mention to post-first month of the season. As we're recording this, it is now May, and uh, the Braves have won their first game in May, but closed April at a game under 500. so we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, the draft, Dave, you want to start with uh, the Georgia aspect of it or give a quick mention to how the Falcons made out? Well, did I see a stat that the Falcons were the only NFL team that did not draft at least one SEC player? Is that correct, it, or am I giving fake news here? I, well, I know the Falcons didn't draft an yes. SEC player, yeah. and I don't know if they're the only ones. I didn't see that, but with as many as SEC guys that get drafted, you would almost think just, just yeah. about every team is eyeballing one like I love like the, the Raiders just were like we'll take a Clemson guy an Alabama guy we'll take another Clemson guy <laughs> yeah. and it just I heard someone say it's as if Mike Mayock and John Gruden they just watched the the championship game and that was where they got their draft from yeah we, I mean it, it honestly is there is there is it that a terrible strategy <laughs> well they you would think are the best players in college football or they're the best teams yeah well, I don't know it, how it comes out it's I saw Alabama had the most players drafted. Ohio State had the second most players drafted. And then you had Oklahoma and I think Washington were actually tied for the third most. And, you know, Washington's not a powerhouse recruiting program like uh, those other schools are, but they they average out as a top 25, and they've got a great coach in Chris Peterson. And then you got Georgia and Texas A&M ended up with uh, seven each, and Georgia obviously has turned into an elite recruiting uh, yeah. powerhouse. And Texas A and M, even pre Jimbo Fisher, was you know recruiting on average top ten classes. So yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised at any of that. But it was kind of funny that the Raiders did what they did, and DeAndre Baker ends up going in the first round of the Giants. Although, did they jump the gun on their quarterback? Yes, you know, I mean that's the thing there too. And talking about the Falcons. You said you hated their draft. I was it, the. I mean, for the most part, they took power five players from power five schools, except the one guy they took from Charleston. When I saw the pick, I was like, "Oh, is that Charleston Southern?" 
It's like, no, Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, D2 Charleston. Yeah, they took him in the fourth round, a defensive end. Yeah, fourth round defensive end from a D2 school. And I still think like fourth round guys are players that, sure, you're not drafting guys in the fourth round to come in and start. But for a, a team that, as we found out last year, is certainly lacking in quality depth because when the frontline starters got hurt, I mean, they were uh, just a, a mess. And, um, you know, I would think a fourth round pick is uh, a guy you would expect would be able to come in and contribute something immediately but with him it's your you know he's a d2 prospect and you're still looking at you know he's a project that maybe two three years from now could could amount to something we'll see i did not hate the first pick of lidstrom uh you know there's the the argument that maybe they they reached picking him at 14 thomas dimitrov said he felt pretty confident that there were teams below them that liked him and they wouldn't have been able to get him later I'll trust he knows more about that than I do. They got the top guard in the draft, didn't give up a sack last uh, season, and offensive line is an area they needed help. So I, you know, I give them an A for that one. I think they reached with McGarry in surrendering a second and a third round pick to trade up to uh, to get him. And then, yeah, it just it drives me crazy what this team does consistently in like the middle to late rounds, where they're drafting like guys from Division Two Charleston. They took a linebacker from Yale. Uh, that tight end they took last year, Salbert from Drake, and yeah. just yeah. How about drafting? If you're just guessing at that point, how about taking a guy from the SEC? Well, again, they took seven players this year, five from Power Five conferences, and then they took the defensive end from Charleston, and then their last pick. And granted, I mean it was 203 overall was from Louisiana Monroe, right? So it, it, uh, the chances of him being a, a Hall of Famer are obviously very low, but would it matter if he's from Louisiana Monroe or Georgia or Ohio State or Alabama? I would maybe take my chances on a guy from one of the bigger schools, although I don't know. I, I would. like. Would you rather have a guy from Louisiana Monroe or a guy who ran for 1,000 yards and averaged over six yards a carry in the SEC exactly. last year? Exactly. Like, you know, the Dolphins took uh, Miles Gaskin right. in the seventh round from Washington. Like that's that To me, that's what teams should be doing in the seventh round. Like He was a good running back in the Pac-12. There's a reason why he ended up a seventh-round draft pick. I mean, every team passed on him multiple times, but – you know, if you're going to just at this point, you're taking a shot in the dark at a guy that might be a, a decent, productive player and a steal in the draft. I'll take my chances with a guy that played at Washington before a guy at Louisiana Monroe. But when you look at the later rounds of the Falcons drafts and they keep going for guys like that, San Jose State and you know, Yale, as already mentioned, and then now this one. But this one is a fourth round pick, the D2 guy. Yeah, I'm again. I'm I'm confused on all of that. So you know, I used to say in Dimitrov we trust. I guess to an extent we do, but I mean that one that one's definitely weird. I mean, when you're going out on a limb on somebody like that, you got to feel really confident about them, right? Yeah. But like you said in the first round, though, I was looking at Pro Football Focus, and they had Lindstrom as the number one guard in the country, but they had McGarry as the number ten tackle. Yeah, and with the classic, he's got short arms. Yeah. He stands. Yeah. He's upright when he blocks, and there's a lot of negatives on him. And that's just a, the case of you traded a second, a third round pick to be able to move up to the back end of the first round to get him. And like that, you know, that might have been a bit much. Well, the uh, the Falcons seven players drafted. The Dogs had seven players drafted, 
And what did you think? Obviously, it, the Chiefs having to react to Tyreek Hill, the situation there. But I think Miko Hardman fits that perfectly. Yeah, because he's that uh, he's that utility guy that can do everything like Hill. I'm sure they've got him uh, pegged to, to probably be their special teams ace and be one of uh, Mahomes' top targets next uh, season. So it is. It's a great match, and it's one of those deals with uh, players. I mean, sometimes you just hope you get drafted by a team that you'll mesh well with their system and give you a better chance to succeed. And I think for for me, Cole, it's perfect. I've already looked at and seen like these early odds for players and the 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 offensive rookie of the year and Hardman's up there you know Murray I guess is the favorite being the number one overall pick but Hardman was like two or three right behind him so I think when you you it was like Marquise Brown and Hardman were both I want to say maybe 10 to 1 and then there was someone between them and and Murray yeah um it might it might have been Jacobs that the first running back that was taken yeah 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 who the Raiders probably reached for. But <laughs> yeah, who again, took him? Oh, yeah, the Raiders. Yeah, Mike Mayock's there watching that. Hey, <laughs> let me tell you, I watched this game. Yeah. Alabama and Clemson, they're good. We should just take guys from there. <laughs> hey, maybe they're on to something. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Because it's, it's kind of like what we're complaining about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there are. I, they, maybe there <laughs> might be worse strategies. But, like, so even with the, the Giants, who just really, like, give you the sense that they have no clue what they're doing. Because when you think about what they did, they passed on Sam Darnold last year to only a year later draft Daniel Jones from Duke. They took a running back with the second pick of the draft. But then the last two picks they made in the first round, they took a guy from Clemson and a guy from Georgia. Yeah, which so, looked like good picks. Yeah. Now, the guy from Clemson, we'll have to see how good he is once he's off all the steroids they give him over there. But, <laughs> um, but DeAndre Baker won the Thorpe Award and ends up settling in there late in the first round, so he might have been a steal. Someone asked a question earlier. Actually, it was um, uh, one of our listeners, a buddy from uh, Florence, South Carolina. And I'll throw this out there since we're talking about the draft. But he was basically saying, do you think guys at Georgia and maybe at other schools, they leave early maybe when it doesn't seem like the best thing for them because they know maybe the guys that are behind them on the depth chart – are going to push them off the depth chart the next year. I don't. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah. I think in you know reading uh, a couple stories about Elijah Holyfield, even pre combine and before he went undrafted, and going through his thought process, that's basically what he said was, "I'm here. I don't believe my stock is is going to get any higher by me coming back because you got Swift already here, who I was sharing carries with." You're hoping Zamir White is healthy and back. James Cook is, you know, maturing into a sophomore now. You know, Harrion is still good. Kenny McIntosh is coming in. That there's no guarantees. He got 159 carries last year that he'd yeah. get that many again this season. Right. So, and then what ended up killing him was the speed in the 40. Is that is he going to suddenly become faster in a year? So, yeah. I mean, I think to answer that question with Holyfield, that pretty much sounds the, exactly like what he was thinking. It's just I'm. I don't know that my st- by coming back, my stock's necessarily going to get any higher. Now, I also don't think he imagined he would go undrafted. I'm sure he thought he'd get drafted somewhere, even if it wasn't a first or second round or anything like that. But he might have miscalculated there. But ultimately, I still think if he went undrafted, I mean, was he really going to be that much better off coming back and playing another year at Georgia? I yeah. think he was right there. And were the slow 40s because he's slow or because – he didn't get the right training on how to run a 40. You know, I mean, that, I wouldn't think that would be the case. 
Yeah, I know. But, you know, Kirby's thrown out that offer yeah. now to guys that if you're going to turn pro, just stay here in Athens and, and train instead yeah. of going all these facilities they go to around the country. I, I, look, we all know when he, when he played, ran the ball, he, he didn't look slow. But when he got to those combines, he was running like D-lineman speed. <laughs> there was like two punters and a kicker that were faster than him in the combine. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. What's going on there? So you there? just knew that was going to kill him, and it, uh, and it did. But it's not game over for an undrafted no. free agent. So Not at all. And it's not like he, – I know he signed with Carolina. They've got McCaffrey, and after that, it's not a crowded backfield. No, and they're looking for somebody that can kind of mirror McCaffrey in their offense, and they feel like Holyfield is that guy. Yeah. Like so I think he can make fit. it. Yeah. But it's just now the the odds are longer since he did end up going undrafted, but you know, I think when you look at uh when you consider Holyfield's point of view, I mean, I think he's he's right when you think about Georgia's backfield and the the crowd that's there and the uh you know, we're all hoping it's going to be even more crowded this season because Amir White will be healthy and he'll be able to play and uh, we'll finally get to, a chance to see him. And also you think back to last year as it turned out as we suspected, because DeAndre Swift didn't look like himself early on in the year, he was uh, he was less than a hundred percent. So if you've got a full season out of Swift healthy, that might also cut into the, you know, how much Holyfield contributed from you know last year to this year. The one, the other guy, the Nauta though is is one I think on the other end of that. He was going to be our number one tight end, and he even admitted at the combine that he got a. Uh, a return from the draft advisory board to come back to school. Now, Holyfield said he got that he would be like a third or a fourth rounder. So he just maybe got bad advice. Was that before or after all those slow 40s, though? I think it was before because yeah. they submit that yeah. work and then decide whether or not they want to go. But, you know, now to all along, he, he acknowledged that they the feedback he got was to come back to school, but he still opted to go and, you know, he got drafted in the seventh round, which – you know, I think slots you even as a seventh-round draft pick. He's going to be making close to a half million dollars next year to play football, which is more than more than he'd be getting paid here. So he's a, he's a pro now. And I guess some of these guys, there's there's other things going too that might influence their decision. Right. So, you yeah, know, we don't know. Yeah, exactly. We don't know what they're up to. Right. Well, of course, the er, the early consensus from what I remember is all those guys were sick of Jim Chaney and his offense, so they all bolted. <laughs> That's why we had the exodus of Riley, Hardman, Nauta, and Holyfield. It was all those guys on offense because they were they didn't like our offense and Chaney. And then as it turned out, Chaney left anyway. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah. maybe he didn't like them. Yeah. I don't know. No, they were sick of Kirby and they were yeah. sick of Chaney and the offense. So it was this mass exodus of offensive guys getting the heck out of Athens. Never mind that Chubb and Michelle had come back the year before. Yeah, that worked out pretty well. I like what you said a moment ago, though, about what Kirby said about why don't you guys just tr- stay here and train with us? Which is actually a good little recruiting nugget that maybe Kirby's throwing out there, too. Yeah. Hey, if you're good enough to leave after your junior year and you want to leave, well, we'll help you train to get ready for the NFL, even I, the, the, like we've been doing for the first three years of your career. Right. Well, and also, I would guess the, there wouldn't be the expense there. Is Kirby yeah. offering the uh, services for uh, for nothing? Because those guys, the, when they go to those places in like Phoenix and Florida and wherever they are, right? That bill's coming due now, and you just went undrafted. Yeah, I guess with Elijah, his old man can help out with some of the yeah without with he's some got of the some money. Cash. Well, he's got a lot of brothers and sisters though. Yeah, so. but still, Vander still just those two Tyson fights alone probably <laughs> set him up pretty good. <laughs> You would think so, yes. Yeah. Once he got the, I guess, well, I guess insurance covers the, 
the ear injury and all that stuff, I would assume that would have been taken care of. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, they're independent contractors, though, so I don't know. Yeah, I just guess it depends how it's set up. Maybe they got Af- he's got Aflac. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he calls Evander Holyfield has to get the Aflac duck on the case. Of course, though, you know, you just got to make sure that, uh, you know, you've, you've got uh, everything set to go. And, and, and I'm sure he did back back in that. God, that's been like 20, more than 25 years yeah, ago. Yeah, because it was the mid-90s, so it's wow. over. Or, it's been, it's well, coming yeah, on 25, 25 years. 25 years, wow. Yeah. Older than, so Elijah didn't even exist when that happened. Yeah, probably, I guess not. Yeah, wow. Yeah. No, he didn't. That's crazy. Yeah, I'll miss Evander at Georgia games though. I know. He was Maybe he'll come back every now. We've and still then. got Swift's dad though. Yes. Papa Swift yes. will be here for at least one more year. Uh, crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and coming soon to Five Points. We'll uh, break. We'll come back. We'll give the Braves a uh, mention as they come out of the first month of the year. Uh, Georgia baseball as well. Uh, but to uh, quickly recap, Falcons draft. Um, C, C at best. And, uh, hey, Georgia had seven guys drafted, had another one in the first round, so the dogs are about to start a, uh, a streak of having guys taken in the first round as Baker just made yes. it uh, in. Chris Brame, David Johnston with you. It's the Crossover Podcast. Uh, download us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, or, as always, listen on demand at 960theref.com. I like wings. I want pizza. I need a salad because I'm on a diet. Can we sit outside? You can't please all the people all the time unless you take them to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. You'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to baked ziti, along with sandwiches, chicken fingers, and more. Plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. And a patio to enjoy the nice weather. So you can all agree the place to eat is Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. And coming soon to Five Points in Athens. The Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on demand, 960theref.com. We're going to uh, call an audible. We said we were going to talk about the uh, the Braves the first month of the season, but uh, yeah, who cares about that? There's still five <laughs> months left. We're going to talk some Georgia basketball, but also, for maybe the first time ever, we have breaking news into the crossover podcast, which by the time you listen to this will no longer be breaking. It won't be breaking news when but you're it hearing is big. this. It is big, though. But it is big news, yes. The University of Georgia, as we are recording this podcast, has announced plans to create Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium in honor of legendary head coach Vince Dooley. And to that I say, finally... Yeah. Thank goodness. There's no one that won't be a fan of that. Yes. And that's one of those that, because uh, it was just, uh, I think it was like two months ago, it was back in March that there was a story uh, about a lot of Coach Dooley's former players that were really making this push to to, re, to to name the field after Coach Dooley. And so this is one of those things is, you know, we've noticed in college football, things just move so quickly now from expansion to, hey, Georgia might not be playing Auburn anymore in November. Georgia will not be playing Auburn anymore in November. That took like a couple of hours to actually become official. So like everything else, but this is a positive. This moved pretty, uh, pretty fast here for the uh, for the naming of the field since I, I read that story a couple of months ago. So that is uh, that's great. So Coach Dooley, as we all know, is. 86 years old, and again, he 
he's in great, you know, he looks great, he's in great shape, but when you do something like this, you would like for that person to be able to see it in their lifetime. I mean, it would have been a shame if something happened like this after they had already passed away. I'm not trying to be the Grim Reaper here, but I'm, I'm glad that this is coming out now and that Coach Dooley is still around for us. He's a treasure. We see him every football game at the bookstore, at the UGA bookstore, and he always draws the longest lines. He even draws fans from other schools that are visiting in to get his signature or photo, that kind of stuff. I mean, he is he is fantastic. I love the man. He has always been great to me, and uh, I am very, very happy to hear this news. Yeah, I mean, when we see him at the bookstore, like you mentioned, there's probably nothing that speaks to his popularity more than just from you – know, you, every year Georgia plays six or seven home games, and I've said in the past, like, I, at what point have you run out of people that don't have your uh, autograph? Because uh, how can the lines for him consistently be that long? Like every <laughs> At this point, everyone has to have Coach Dooley's signature, but – Every Saturday before a Georgia home game, he's at the bookstore, and that line is snaking all around. So, I mean, that speaks to how popular he is. So I'm sure everyone will be a big fan of this. And he is – because you've got Neyland Stadium, you've got Bryant-Denny, Vaught-Hemingway, you know, the uh, Suge Jordan. So every legendary coach in the SEC, except for Saban, who's still active – has a stadium named for him, right? Yeah. Except for Coach Dooley. He was exactly. the, the last one. And the great Coach Kroger. He's got what named out. Oh, wait. That's, like, that's not right. the same thing. Yes. Not the same thing. Well, Chad Kroger, he's the lead singer of Nickelback. <laughs> They're big that's in right. Kentucky. But what's Alabama going to do? They're going to have a dilemma coming up here. First of all, yeah. who is Denny? I don't know. Who is See, Denny? See, does Denny get the boot? Because I'm assuming they'll keep Bryant. Yeah, like Denny wasn't a – was he a nah, – he wasn't a – he's not an old coach of theirs. I'm looking it up as we're talking right now to see who the Denny of Bryant-Denny Stadium is. It's George Denny, the school's president from 1912 to 1932. Okay. Well, that's kind of like you – know, Sanford Stadium is named after a president at Georgia. Not say, and I, yeah. I'm not – like guys who have had – like – with the uh, several years ago when you know they wanted to put you know, Maynard Jackson's name on uh, the airport right and like and they finally did but I was like don't you can't kick Hartsfield off of there right like right. he went to his grave thinking the airport was named after him so and then they got kind of pissy about people saying Hartsfield as a, or saying Jackson Hartsfield as opposed to you know they wanted yeah. to say both yeah so I mean <laughs> I. And with you know with Bama, is there does their field have a name? I mean, would that be the next thing? I don't know. Yeah, that would be the because so what is this is going to be Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium? It's not going to be Sanford Dooley Stadium. It is not right? going to be the stadium name. Okay. Yes. Apparently, it's going to be Dooley Field because that's at how Sanford Stadium. Mississippi State has its the field right, is at right Davis Wade Stadium, but they have the field named. Yeah. So yeah, that's and then that, I guess that's a. That's another route you can take. Um, so I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, this is literally breaking as we're uh, as we're talking. So there's Scott Field at Mississippi State. When that was, what is Duty Duty Noble's the baseball? Field. Duty Noble is, okay. a, and then it's see, but it's Duty Noble Field. Although Duty Noble is a, that's one name. Okay. And then Polk Dement Stadium. Okay. Wait. So Duty Noble is a guy's Duty name. Duty Noble is a person. I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me make sure on the yeah, Duty Noble 
<laughs> was one of their great um, athletes and administrators. Oh, all right. Well, Clark, so, Clark Randolph Noble. So we'll just go. It'll end up being Bryant Denny Saban. Bryant Denny Saban Stadium. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Yeah, but then Saban might say, "Hey, why am I? Why am I third bill on this?" Yeah. Well, he I might. should be. I should be higher up. What on if the they list? did? They called it Saban <laughs> Bryant Denny. They went in order of importance. <laughs> Who's their greatest coach of all time? Saban. You said that very fast. I think it is Saban. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even hesitate. No, it's Saban. I, that's the thing, and I bet Bama fans absolutely 100% would like fight me on that, but yeah. Saban's their best coach. He's doing, he's doing this at a time with just like this unprecedented like dominance by the SEC Yeah, in the strength of the league. And that their care, I mean, and just think if it hadn't been for this little uprising by Clemson, there's no telling what we'd be talking about with Bama right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully this Georgia uprising will yeah. get them here too before, yeah. uh, before too long. I think there's one coming. We've been close. So... I, yeah, I mean, we, we need to leave room, though, because uh, one day. So who's, all right. I know Sanford Smart Stadium at Dooley Field. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that. But if you do go through the stadiums in the conference, I mean, you got Williams-Brice. Like, how many of the stadiums in the conference are hyphenated? Well, so, the uh, Florida, right? What is theirs? I, I, they're the swamp, but they're. We call them by their nickname so much, and we. This never goes there. We don't remember that it's Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. That's right. But Ben Hill Griffin was just like some politician, wasn't he? Yeah. He could probably he get could... booted if they need to. Yeah. Once Dan Mullen becomes... Hey, stick the... to sports. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, then there's, uh, as we mentioned, Williams-Brice. Missouri's got Memorial Stadium. They've got room for theirs. Do Kentucky fans, do they still call their Commonwealth Stadium, or do they try to pressure them to go with the brand name there. i would call it commonwealth because kroger's not paying me any money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about um well i guess general Nealon, he's good for now he's good Va- i bet johnny vaught's not going anywhere no no he's not going anywhere like you said jordan Hare. It, yeah shit jordan's not going anywhere kyle field who's kyle yeah, i don't know that's south park <laughs> that would be the yes I've heard bad things about his mom. <laughs> Let's, that's right. All right, Kyle is – who is Kyle? The Kyle of Kyle Field. I do not know. General and, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle Field. I'll have to, I'll have to dig a little what, deeper on that one. LSU is, is Death Valley. They're just Tiger Stadium. They're Tiger they're Stadium. Death Valley. But that's, the LSU is really odd, though. They don't, really, they don't have, like, a legendary coach. Like no. they, I don't think they've had a coach that they haven't had one of those coaches like every other school's had that's been there for like a quarter of a century at any point. Is Nick Saban their greatest coach? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. he probably is. Uh, Edwin Jackson Kyle was an 1899 graduate of A&M and a professor of horticulture and was the president of general athletics back in the late 1800s. Oh, so that was okay. why they go with Kyle Field. But they don't have... With their best coach would have been um, Jackie Sherrill. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm just blanking on the. Uh, it was the, the they you know they won the the their conference in like the 90s. They had that long yeah, time. Was it John David Crow? No, or was it? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he won the Heisman for. Him. Yeah. How about Johnny Manziel? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is kind of that same thing with them there, I guess. Yeah, they don't have. It's not Mike Sherman. No. I mean, with some of them, it's probably pretty easy to throw out who the greatest 
greatest coach was. And then other ones, there's obviously, you know, you could sit there and, and have a long debate about it. Well, with Florida Spurrier's coming, but if we were to make a list of, like, the greatest coaches in the history of the league, and you have Bryant, Johnny Vaught, um, you know, Suge Jordan, General Nealon, Coach Dooley, Saban's on there now, but he's yeah. still active. Spurrier has re- just recently uh, retired. Yeah, I mean, Coach Dooley was the only one who had, did not have yeah. a field or a stadium named after him, so it was long overdue. R.C. Slocum is who you're thinking of, I think. Yeah, right thank now. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's the but, one. Um, yeah, and again, wh- why has this taken so long? You know, Dooley, has, it's been longer since Coach Dooley was the coach than he actually coached. Yeah. I, it's know, been 30 years, and he was the coach for 25. I guess we're we're interesting because we're not really a statue campus either. Yeah. They're, I know Coach Dooley's got the one, but that was, didn't a horticulture club put that up or something? Yeah. And it's, He's got his little garden there. I think it, I mean, it, where it is overlooking what they call like the athletic area, but it still should be more prominent at the stadium, if right. you ask me. But there's no, you know, it's not like there's statues outside of Stegman. What about Herschel? There's not a Herschel statue. Shouldn't there be? Probably. Yeah. 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 But we're not a real statue. No, we're not. We're not. And maybe that's because we know like the other fans come and like just end up. That's true. You know, defacing it. Yeah. Or, I don't know. No need for that. Maybe they're. We don't name streets after people. They do that in Knoxville. Uh, I was just gonna say we every day going to baseball we turned on the Shamiqua Holds Claw Way. Oh really? Yeah. I remember on Pat th- Summit. There Drive. was Pat Summit Drive. Yeah. And they did that. She was still their coach. Yep. And I think Fulmer's got a street now. He's named got after one. Manning's got one. Yeah. So, but we don't do streets either. No. So, so you know that can get you in trouble sometimes. Just ask you know Penn State. So <laughs> well, that's that's sometimes true. it's just best to avoid all that. That's true. Uh, all right, as we wind down today's uh, episode number eighty-five, the crossover podcast. A couple quick notes about Georgia basketball. I want to start, Dave. Last week we brought up Nicholas Claxton. He said he was going to turn pro. As we know, basketball players, they have the option to uh, to come back. You were really confident that Nick would return. He has since been invited to the Combine. Have you have you changed any, or are you still really – I still feel good that he's coming back. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad he's doing all this. And you know what? If he doesn't, then he doesn't. But I think the Combine, the fact that he can hire an agent, the fact that his dad played – Big-time college basketball, played here at the University of Georgia. He's got all the factors pointing in his favor of, all right, here's what you need to do to get better for this time next year. Okay. That's kind of how I see it. I, I've seen a mock draft that had him going in the first round. <laughs> now, you take those mock drafts for what I they're wor- worth. I also saw mock drafts uh, that had, you know, the, the Patriots are going to take DeAndre Walker. And, uh, you know, I mean, Walker had the injury and everything, so that probably led to him slipping a little bit in the uh, draft. But for – you know, whatever that's worth. But that's the thing. It's just all it takes is a few of those voices to get inside your head and confuse you as to what your stock may really be. And like, well, I don't know. I'm here and I could be a first rounder. And then maybe you end up going undrafted or going the second round. I don't know. But the the fact that he got the combine invite still takes me to there's the statement that sounded like a goodbye. Now he's invited to the combine. I'm going 60-40. 60 he leaves 40 he comes back well do you feel like there's a chance that because there's all this momentum this good recruiting class uh this new point guard that george has got that maybe nick will see that as a chance hey this will also improve my game too if i'm around better players now granted you're talking about four freshmen in a in a graduate 
point guard senior, whatever you want to call him, but still, is there is there that build up to the season that might make, want to make him come back? Counterpoint, yeah. Anthony Edwards gets all the attention next year, yeah. and he's not the the focal point of the team. Yeah, I don't know Nick, obviously, <laughs> so I don't know if that kind of stuff means anything or not. God, I would like to hope not. But at the same time, that could be a potential problem. Also, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I could, I see it, absolutely what NBA teams would be uh, in love with him about. And if he goes to the combine and he, you know, just it's just going to take one team to uh, to look at a guy that's six eleven that can handle the ball the way he can and even shoot from the perimeter like he can. And then it's just like, yeah, you might not go in the first round, but you're in the second round and you're on an NBA roster next year. Yeah, although that's the thing about the NBA. There is a huge difference from being a first-round draft choice and a second-round yeah. pick. Yeah, there is. Your contract is guaranteed for one thing. So that's the only that's the only difference. I mean, if you're not positively sure and you think another year would help you out, that would obviously be a big, big difference there. But, you know, he, he's got a big decision to make. And uh, the other note before we uh, get out of here is Georgia has – and we knew they needed to, because even with the uh, with the attention paid to the signing class and getting uh, Anthony Edwards and hopefully having Claxton and Hammonds also back next year, this team was still lacking an obvious true point guard, and Georgia has gone to the portal. Or I guess when you're a grad transfer, you're not technically in the portal, but I, st- I love the transfer portal, so let's just pretend that he has, <laughs> uh, he has beamed out of the portal. But Donnell Gresham from uh, Northeastern, remember Northeastern, they were a chic pick to upset Kansas in yep. the first round of the tournament. In fact, it it hurt them that they were so popular. I remember Jay, even Jay Billis was on ESPN predicting Northeastern was going to beat Kansas. And I think when that happens, it's like, well, Northeastern isn't going to upset Kansas, and they ended up not doing that. But Northeastern was really, really good last uh, year. So I think this is a, a nice little get here for Georgia. You know, you look at he averaged 10 points a game, uh, three assists per game. That number doesn't really you know, look look great or anything. Again, I don't know the makeup of the, the team that they had last year, but they were obviously good. They won the Colonial, and like you said, they were a chic pick to beat Kansas, even though they didn't in the NCAA tournament. So this is, you know, that was the thing, was the turnovers that just crushed Georgia last year. That They've got to be able to take care of the basketball. It was absolutely killing them. And... I'm sure Georgia had a pick of several guys. I'm sure he it wasn't just this one guy, and they saw his name in there and got him to sign. I mean, I'm sure they had some guys to pick from. So if this is who Georgia went with, I'm uh, excited to see what he can do on the court next year. Yeah, they're, uh, they, they were 56th in uh, turnover percentage on offense, which is pretty good. It's way better than what uh, Georgia what was. What was Georgia, do you know? Uh, I can look real fast. It was fast. in the 300. Georgia was in the – Or two – was it in the – I mean, it was bad uh yeah it was like nationally well i have to keep scrolling because i'm on uh ken palm and northeastern they were they were 89th in his rankings georgia was 132 yeah yeah Yeah. georgia was 332 in their turnover rate last year that's about that's all that how many teams are there that's getting close to the uh, that's almost at the very bottom to the bottom 332 because that virginia virginia was dead last in uh national champion virginia they were dead last in (laughs) tempo (laughs) <laughs> they're 353 wow yeah so that tells you something right there yeah but if you follow georgia basketball closely like we do it's not a surprise no it wasn't 
And so, and again, Northeastern was a solid program, made the tournament. A lot of people thought they might be able to upset Kansas. They didn't, but uh, they were good. So, and that's a good get for uh, for Georgia, just a position that they still it was a a dire dire need. So Gresham, Ant Man, um, Hammonds, Hammonds, Claxton. I'm saying it. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, and, I, I hope you're right. I'm and, just nervous. The combine invites made me more nervous yeah. now. And Harris or Crump. There's some good players coming yeah, back. Because, like, Hightower transferred yeah. out. Yeah, the um, seniors. Yeah. I think Toppin was in the portal last time I checked. He is at Georgia State, right? Georgia State, okay. Yeah. Is that where he ended up? He okay. ended up out of the portal there. So, yeah, still, though, uh, I, I I hope Claxton comes back, obviously, as a Georgia fan. And this team's got a chance to, to be interesting. If he doesn't come back, though, there's no one taller than, what, 6'8 on the roster? Ngumezi is 6'9. Oh, that's nine. Right. He's 6'9. We've got one guy. Back, yeah. we got one guy over 6'8, yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. So that's another factor with Claxton at 6'11. We don't have any size if he leaves. But in this day and age, who needs size? Everybody's just jacks threes. That's true. Even Claxton was just a <laughs> – I know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they need – I've heard the argument, this is for another show, of should they move the three-point line back a little bit. In, in basketball. International range, I'd take that. Yeah, just to, you know, because that's all it's become now. It's just a three-point shooting contest. Are they saying that even in the NBA? Yeah, in all levels. Yeah. Especially, I think especially in the NBA. The guys have gotten too good at it. Well, you, that one guy, Lillard, just pulled up from 40 feet and won that speed <laughs> Oklahoma City. I know. I'm so. just saying. It's like they're, the shooting percentage is creeping up. Yeah, in in shooting threes. That's kind of that sounds like Augusta National. Like we got to lengthen our course. <laughs> exactly. These guys are too exactly. good. Exactly. All right, uh, that'll do it. Episode eighty five of the Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville, and coming soon to Five Points. We appreciate you checking us out. Whether you're doing it on uh, iTunes, that's easy to do. Just subscribe to us there, and we'll uh, we'll come find you. Or if you want to just listen whenever you can on demand at nine sixty theref dot com. For David Johnston, I'm Chris Brame. Back again next week with another edition of the Crossover Podcast here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.